find you Open up my eyes in wonder And show me who you are And fill me with your heart And lead me in your love to those around me Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could have saved. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder And show me who you are And fill me with your heart And lead me in your love to those around me with your 
Good morning. So, on Friday was a Christian holiday, according to the church calendar. Most of us probably didn't grow up experiencing or celebrating kind of the traditional church calendar. Maybe some of you did. But Friday was the 12th day of Christmas. So that whole song that we sing about... um, whatever that tree is called, partridge in a pear tree and all those other things. Do anybody remember what the 12th day is? Like the 12th day of Christmas my true love gave to me 12. I heard a whole bunch of drummers drumming. Oh, nice. Okay. So the 12th day is January the 6th. That's when the counting starts at Christmas. And that's the day of Epiphany. And... uh, a number of communities or on the calendar, Epiphany is this celebration of the revelation of Jesus. This idea that God revealed himself, and many will celebrate on the day of Epiphany the Magi, because they weren't Jewish, and yet they followed the star, and it led them to Jesus by God's doing. That kind of an Epiphany. Oh, here is God. And so there's a number of practices. So what's so interesting is that Actually, according to a church calendar, we're in the season of Epiphany that will go all the way up until Lent, as we enter the season of Lent and Ash Wednesday before Easter. So we're in this season of Epiphany. And one of the practices that people will do to to mark this season is an Epiphany house blessing. And so a few years ago, we shared this online when we were all in lockdown, but I uh, wanted to share it with you again. So this is an Epiphany house blessing. So on the doorpost of your house, you can write this on the inside or on the outside with chalk. And so I've got 120 pieces of chalk right there by the door. I've got the little guide sheet to lead you through it if you would like to do it. It's just something simple, and it's something that you would leave up uh, for this, for the year, that you, you wouldn't um, make it go away, but maybe the weather will or somebody else. But it's an epiphany house blessing. And so I'm going to walk you through the symbols of this and uh, just to kind of show you what it would be. So you would first start with the number 20 for counting for 2,000. And at the end, you'll write 23. So this marks the years. And then you would put the letters C. M-B. Now, there's two variations for what the CMB stand for. Some say that it stands for the Magi, and these names of Casper, Melchor, and Belthazar. Uh, but, but it's also a, a Latin blessing, meaning may the Lord bless our house for this year and beyond. And so that blessing would be something, as you wrote that, that you would mark it with these crosses, and that you would say, may Christ bless this house and remain with us throughout this year. So may Christ bless this house and remain with us throughout this year. And then we would mark it with crosses. May Christ bless this house and remain with us throughout this year. Amen. So that's the Epiphany House Blessing. If you want to read it in Latin, you can. Um, Doug, Doug, as my resident Latin per- person who's among us, 
Doug, are you willing to read this for me? I already had you cue it up once. Are you willing to do this? There you go. So that's the, and Doug, are you available to show up to people's houses for this blessing? If so, just grab Doug. He might, I think he'll do it for ribs. So, um, so this is the, this is the house blessing. We got chalk and we've got the document for you to take with you and to do. Um, there's these kind of simple patterns that remind us God's with us. Now, we don't do this to initiate some sort of spiritual realm that isn't already there. What we do is to remind us of the blessing of God that is upon us. Because epiphany is this realization that Jesus is with us. That the favor of God is with us. That God is upon us. For any of you guys who, who know, um, within, uh, within the Jewish tradition, they have a mezuzot. It's, a, it's an item by the doorpost of their house. It's, you're directed to have that. And some believe that many Christians will do this just to remind them of God's blessing over us. So I encourage you, feel free, grab some chalk, grab multiple covers, grab the sheet, and get a stepladder. Do it safely, please, no one fall. Get the sturdiest person up there who doesn't have vertigo or any issues with that. And do the house blessing. You can pull in friends, you can pull in neighbors, um, but it's a chance to remember the season that we're in. So there you go. And so and as we keep going, I asked Hannah, I was like, oh, Hannah, do you know We Three Kings? That kind of song. So the, the season that we're in and the story that we're going to look at today is in Matthew 12 about the Magi. And Hannah was like, I think so. And she is willing to do it. And she picked it up. Hannah, thank you. So with that, would you stand with us and we'll sing this song about uh, the reality of Jesus with us. Um, I'm going to need you to sing this one really loud with me because my voice feels real rough right now. So just keep going if I stop. I'm sorry. So far, field and fountain, more and mountain, following yonder star. i 
consent to offer have I Isn't someone's a deity now Prayer and praising voices raising Worship Him, a God on high Oh, oh, Good morning. Welcome to Genesis. And particularly those who are here for the first time, we welcome you to our sanctuary and we welcome to our service. Um, please take a moment to let us know that you are here by filling out either the digital connection card on your website or a physical green card in your pew. You can place that green card in a wooden box at the back of the sanctuary. This is also where you can place your offering if you brought it with you today. And thank you very much for giving online uh, through the text. And let me give you a, a, an announcement that's exciting, and I hope that you can take the time to show up. Genesis the Church will partner with the Open Table Collective for a gathering this coming Saturday, where we will make time and space for reflecting on our calling as we talk about what we want to stop or start in the year 2023. 
Please join us for the three-hour morning event where we will have the opportunity to engage in practical activities that care for our souls while dreaming with each other and God about the future. And that's this coming Saturday from 9 to 12. Now let's talk about our warming center. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. But Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Are you needed clothes and we clothe you? And the Lord answered, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my sisters or brothers, you did it to me. And that's what this Genesis have been doing in a concert with Baptist Church for more than 25 years. So this is what we this is what we're all about. Genesis has and several other churches will be hosting the warming center for 14 nights each this year. The warming center is an overnight shelter for those who need a warm place to sleep. We will be gathering 35 guests and will continue to follow health and safety protocols developed with the Oakland County Health Department. Thanks to everyone who has signed up so far. Over half of our overnight host spots are filled. We, do, we need to fill every one of those spots, however, so please take a look and see if there's a shift that works for you in your schedule. We also have lots of spots open for helping with the weekend day program, helping with showers, and helping outside. We also need volunteers to help set up and tear down. So, My wife and I have been doing this for probably the 25 years uh, that we have. And I realize that, I realize that there are people who, if I can get down, <laughs> I realize that there are people or folks who can't work any of those shifts, whether it's outside with the showers, which is an exciting experience. If you can stand to be outside for a while, volunteer for that and there are going to be people at the boards uh, to help you sign up um, but, but those who can't work into those shifts we are asking you to buy socks and underwear uh, caps and uh, the men preserve uh, uh, boxer shorts in case you're wondering so if you're going to get shorts for men make sure they're <laughs> make sure they're boxer shorts so they're comfortable um, the experience of doing all this is incredible. Uh, I, I can't tell you how my heart flutters the first night I come in here and see some of the folks that I've seen for the last four or five years. Uh, that relationship has developed over the years. And I tell you a, a little secret. Well, it's not going to be a secret anymore if I tell them, will it? <laughs> the, the folks that we bring in, our brothers and sisters, love Genesis. Well, why do they love Genesis? Because you bring your heart and your soul every night you come. 
and you treat them as brothers and sisters. Now, I'm not trying to condemn any other places that they have, but my heart is here at Genesis. My heart was with First Baptist when we did it as, as uh, First Baptist. So asking you to um, volunteer, there are a lot of open spaces for um, overnight. There's a lot of spaces, a lot of spaces for setup, and that's not that hard. You know, we're going to set up uh, cots and uh, dividers downstairs and well, I call it a fellowship hall pastor, so I, what is it? What do they call it? The downstairs. South Hall. South Hall. So I got to be correct, but I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I, I'm from the old, old, old school. It's still fellowship hall to me, but that's okay. Um, and there's openings for um, uh, drivers to pick up our guests and take them where they have to go, uh, on a, particularly on the weekend. So. There's a lot of things that are open, and uh, think about it. Uh, the things that I know you're going to go by, if you can't work, I know you're going to do that. You don't even have to raise your hand. That's okay. Don't raise your hand. I know you're going to do it anyway. Uh, bring it next Sunday. Uh, we have a basket out here where you can bring your, your gift, and it is a gift to our brothers and sisters. So I think I'm supposed to turn the microphone over to... My, see how she comes in? That's beautiful. I got this thing all warmed up for you. I snuck in. I snuck in. And Harvey, there was already a package of t-shirts out there somebody brought this morning. Oh. Aren't they on the ball? They're amazing. I think I got everything. I think you probably did. If not, you'll get back up next week. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now you get me. Um, I'm here for the kids, of course, because they're fantastic and fabulous. Um, I'm going to start off and instead of telling you why you should serve, I'm going to put like everybody's anxiety at ease because I think some people are like, but you're going to want my whole life. No, what I'm looking for from people is once a month in the same age group. And since COVID, what I have done is I have texted you at the, like the end of December and gone, so what does your January look like? For those of you who are like, but I can't commit the rest of my life because my work schedule and my something and my something, okay? So all the anxiety of like, she's asking me this horrible hard thing for the rest of my life, let that go, take a breath. Okay, so kids, you want to volunteer because they're fun. I promise they're fun. Some of them are squirrels, but even they're fun if you can take that breath. Um, I have spots, we have spots in the toddler room. They're super cute, right? Raise your hand if you work with them and they're super cute. See? Um, I have spots for helpers in preschool. I don't even need you to teach. You just come hang out with some preschoolers. They're also very adorable and the teachers in there are great. Raise your hand if you work in there and those kids are really great. I got two, awesome. And then I have spots for people who are up for more of a challenge. People who are like, I love Jesus and I just really need to share him. I mean, I want that from everybody, but for in particular. Um, people who, maybe it's your teacher, maybe you love to teach, maybe you like to share. I need somebody to do large group with elementary kids, like to bring the story. And people who want to be small group leaders. You're like, I just like want to hang out. I want to go to large group and let somebody else teach it. And then I'll come back and go, did you get that? 
That means you might like want to be nice to your brother when you get home. That's what that whole message meant. And that's how it applies to you at seven. Um, so sometimes people are like, but I just need to be in church because I need somebody to, to teach me. And that's totally true and totally valid. And some of you are in that stage. And what I will also say is that sometimes when I'm prepping a lesson is when God speaks the best. So if that's you, if you love Jesus, you don't dislike children. <laughs> Every once in a while, somebody's got that excuse. I let them off the hook. Um, come and talk to me. I would love to let you try something. Not commit your whole life away, but just try it and go, that was actually really fun, or that was fun, but not that age group again, please. Okay? I need like six or seven of you. Just gonna let that hang right there. And it's really important because, like the warming shelter, if somebody has to do a bunch of overnights because other people don't do it, that'll kill you. And the same if you're in the in the nursery every week. That will kill you because you don't ever get to talk to a grown-up people. So that six or seven people or the warming shelter people, super important to spread the love and the work. Thank you. I don't know what I'm doing next. Who's next? Oh, there's a video. There is a video. Are you playing my video? While people are doing connection. Stand up and talk to one another, and if you want to see the adorable children, look.
Well, good morning. Good morning again. You didn't see Ryan and Bethany Movius who came home just last Friday. Be sure to grab them and hug them and embrace them as they are back home. So, so good to see you. So good to see some new faces. Happy New Year. And again, we're, we're kind of going to step into this season of Epiphany. I said we're, we're going to be talking about prayer and eventually we'll get to that. Uh, but today we wanted to pause. And today, too, is a second Sunday. On the second Sunday, one of the practices that we've been doing is that we set up a little context, and then we break up into some pockets of maybe five to eight people and get a chance to share our own experiences with the content that we're talking about. This is not about any of us having to be theologians. It's just believing the utter truth that experience is learning. That's where learning is, it's through experience. And all of you have had tons of different experiences. And these ancient texts are meant to have our fingerprints on them. They're meant to have your fingerprints on them. And we learn from each other. We don't learn from gurus. We don't learn from the people who have mastered it all. We actually learn from each other as all of us are sharing our experiences. And so this is one of my favorite, I love Second Sunday, for this fact of the church being the church will we help each other grow. So that conversation, those little pockets last for 15 to 20 minutes. We've got some facilitators who will walk you through the questions. You can feel free to engage verbally as those questions are asked, or you can just sit there and listen to the context of those around you. But my goal is to just chat for a few minutes about the content about this theme and then give a chance for the facilitators to pull together and to have a conversation around this. So we have entered this season of epiphany, these bits of revelation. And I've titled this kind of breadcrumbs of grace, like following this trail. This season of the day of epiphany is also called a theophany. And that term, which is kind of a really cool term, theophany, it refers to an event where God's presence is revealed to a person. Divine revelation or inspiration. Where God's presence is revealed to people. And I believe that there are tons of examples and realities that show us that theophanies are a regular experience of humans where God would reveal, God reveal his presence to us. It's my belief that God prepares these epiphanies and theophanies for us, and they're grace-filled spaces in time. They can be small and simple. They can be massive and robust. But they're moments of connection with God. And I believe that they're, they're often and they're available and they're regular. And part of us is just having that anticipation. Oh, God is with us through Jesus. And continuing to reveal God's self to us in these moments of grace. 
So the story today to kind of illustrate this in time is the story of Epiphany, and it's in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. So the text will be behind me. Feel free to follow along here. Let me pray. So Father, open our eyes. May we have an epiphany, a theophany. Open our eyes to the beauty of your revelation. Amen. Matthew 2, 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned, warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is a story of epiphany. It's a story of these breadcrumbs of grace. And when I read through the story, I'm intrigued and curious and and want to ask a ton of questions. But we catch these magi, these individuals who are traveling westward from the east, show up in Jerusalem because they saw a star. They were observing in the night. They were aware, and they saw something different as they were looking, as they were dreaming. Maybe they're lying on their backs. Maybe they observed at night all the time. But as they were observing, as they were just making this space to be watchful and looking, they saw something different. There was a communication in what they were seeing in the stars, and that breadcrumb of grace in some way illuminated for them a king was born of the Jews. And so they're like, okay, let's let's go west to Jerusalem, where the Jewish people are, where the temple is, where the king would be. So they go there. And they go into the city, and they begin to ask questions. They don't know. Where is this king to be born? What have your prophets said? What have your seers said? Well, they begin to ask certain people, and Herod hears of it. The king who would claim himself to be the king of the Jews and gets very disturbed. But as these magi, they're asking questions and they get an answer. Another breadcrumb of grace. And the religious leaders say, 
yes, the king, the Messiah. It's been prophesied that he'll be born in Bethlehem. That's where the king will be. And this king will be a shepherd who will shepherd the people of Israel. And we all know the story from there. Herod calls him in secretly and begins to ask questions himself. When did this happen? When did you see it? Yeah, go there and find them. For anyone who's been to Jerusalem, Bethlehem is not far. It's a day's walk, if that. Maybe a bit further, but it's not a far journey. So the Magi were like, okay, let's, let's go to Bethlehem and then try to figure out where this baby might be. And they say from that moment, the star shows again and guides them. Not only just guides them, but guides them to the house where Jesus is. I'm calling all of these little interactions breadcrumbs of grace. The whole intent of this was for these people to experience the revelation of Jesus. And what's so significant, especially among history, and what so many people celebrate in this season of Epiphany, is that these people were not Jewish. Again, God laying out his cards of God's great intent to bless everyone in the world. Not just a small pocket of people, but to bless the world. And this is what we see. These are breadcrumbs of grace. And so if there are these theophanies, these epiphanies, that are happening and God is with us and revealing God's self to us, how do we begin to recognize them? How do we know to take hold of them and to follow them? That's, that's the million-dollar question. There are many people who have expectations for you and have wanting to guide and direct you. But how is it that we become aware that lead us to experience intimacy in connection with God, the God who's with us. I believe that some of these moments can be discerned by looking back in reflection. Sometimes these are just smaller moments. There's some tools called like the prayer of examine, where you sit back at the end of your day and you just reflect just for a moment. These are hard practices to start if you've never had them. But it's a moment to pause, to look back, and we're like, where did I experience God's goodness or kindness? Or the kind of question can be, where in my day did God actually feel near? Or as I look back, that I was like, oh, I experienced joy in that moment. That felt like God. That was good. I'm mindful of that, these moments. A lot of times it's helpful that we can almost look back in reverse and say, where did we see the hand of God? You can also do the same for saying, where did God seem the furthest away? A lot of times these will be like the highs and the lows of the day, but the truth of the matter is that God is always near. It's just us being able to experience it and to see it and to step into it. So one of the tools that we can understand where these breadcrumbs of grace might be where we look back. Last night I was like thinking about this and looking back on my yesterday and like, oh Lord, where, where, where was those moments? And as part of the moments of joy as a family as we were all sitting outside, or sitting 
on our, our rug, and Carmel had busted out this, like, map that you take little water, like, spongy sorts of things, and it, un, it, it begins to show um, little symbols by the wetness. And we have a seven-year-old and, and a one-year-old, and they were, um, they got bored of just using the sponges to draw on the map, and they wanted to use them to splash me, particularly. And then for some reason, Harvest thought he needed ice water and not just basic water for this. And then it began with dropping ice down my shirt and me dropping ice down his pants, which you have to do to your seven-year-old. But it was this just right raucous time of just laughter and being together and experiencing goodness. And you just breathe it in and you're like, oh God, thank you for those moments. I had low moments too, and we, <laughs> I can share those stories <laughs> as well. But it's, if we want to be able to understand these like breadcrumbs of grace, some of the practices that could help you and me is just taking a chance to look back and to say, where were these good things? Now, some of us are more intuitive, and you're going to say, I saw God in that. Run with it. Run with it. Others, we, we might struggle with that exercise. This is not about having to be right or wrong in this. This is about you connecting and looking back and saying, God, where was your hand? So that's, that's one tool that we can use. Another is just the sense that there's this promise or, or, or a thought or a feeling that God is ahead of us and inviting us into a time and space. That there's something for us coming. And there's an invitation, like a calendar event coming up, a time and space coming. And for many of us, that, the season we were just in was like, Christmas is a calendar date that hits the same time every year, and it's like scheduled, and we're going to show up for that. And for some, we're like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm longing this promise of encountering God in these rhythms, in these seasons. The Jewish people had Passover, and there's even a story of Jesus with his disciples where they're getting ready to celebrate the Passover, and Jesus sends his disciples into Jerusalem, and he tells two of them, hey, there's going to be a guy in there with a pitcher. He's going to be carrying some water. I want you to follow the guy with the pitcher in the house that he stops in. Go up into the upper room. It's already going to be prepared for you and ready. That's where we're going to celebrate the Passover. So make the preparations there. There was this sense, here's this calendar date that we're going to be together on. And that God is ahead of them, guiding them in order to meet them with this kindness, with God's goodness and kindness toward them. Sometimes we have those ideas that there's this sense that there's a time and space that's being set up for us for a chance to connect with other people and with God. For me, I've got a couple coming up. When I'm going, I, I signed up like six months ago for this prayer school that's on Zoom, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week for an hour and a half in the afternoon. And I just had this sense, it's like, all right, an invitation to encounter God there and others. And I'm looking forward to that. Also, the soul care uh, uh, training, the equipping that we're having on January the 14th, for me, that is a three-hour block that I have felt like a gift from God. The people who are facilitating it, Danny Cox and Nicole Wilson, um, have transitioned out of their 
their formal jobs. Danny was a pastor at Kensington Community Church, lead pastor over at Troy. Nicole has become a spiritual director. They've been dreaming about what God has for them. And they're like, we want to create spaces for people to encounter. We want to to create room for people to enter into conversations together where there's room for people around the table to have these kinds of conversations. And I had called Danny a few months ago and said, would you would you do some kind of a soul care, love on people and create room for us to just breathe and see what God might be doing? And he was like, absolutely, let's do it. He's asked for nothing. He's asked for any money. That's for nothing. I mean, Nicole, and they just want to bless us. And for me, it's just like, oh God, you're in front of us. And I'm going to go on the 14th. It feels like life-giving. I see these breadcrumbs of grace. And, and, and I love being able to offer it to our entire community, any of your community of friends or family or for anybody who might be interested in just having a space where we can just breathe lightly and receive gifts from God, this invitation to meet with God. And not heavy, not heavy lifting, not burdensome. But as you hear about it, you may, you may say, that doesn't sound like a gift for me. And then I would say, be at peace. This isn't, then it's fine. But for others, you just hear about a window in the space. I would say, oh, come, it's free. You have child care, if that's, if that's an obstacle. We're going to have a little bit of food. It's going to be nine to noon this coming Saturday. But that's one of those ones we had that sense, these senses that we're going to step into some grace-filled spaces that have been already prepared and we're invited into. Another one that Harvey was kind of talking about was the warming center. Two weeks from tonight, we're going to be hosting for two weeks. And in this space is this promise that Harvey, that Harvey told us. This promise of Jesus has said, when you do it for the least of these, you're, when, when you love brothers and sisters, when you give them a cold cup of water, it's not being nice. This is, this is about caring and loving and kindness with action. Jesus said, you do this for me. You can encounter me. And for many of you who have served within this, we know that this is a spot of encountering the grace and actually Jesus himself. As we are loved by our brothers and sisters who come and we love them in return. And so for some of us, there's this anticipation of saying, oh, these are some sacred spaces. There's some grace-filled spaces that we're going to step into I would encourage you, if you've, never, if you've never done it, if you've never served in any capacity with that, or if you have that pattern, look for the opportunity to be able to step in and say yes to that. Abby and Ashley are, are right here, and they, you guys are kind of setting up the weekend opportunities. So we, we host people overnight, Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Monday through Friday, there's a program where they can go to to have a spot where there's people there and food and, and therapy, therapists and caseworkers and all this, but on the weekends, there's not a spot. And so Abby and Ashley have been saying, well, that's not cool. And so let's create a spot for people on the weekends who need a spot. So that's here on Saturdays and Sundays all through the day. And so if you're looking for connection, you want to you meet people, you want to hear stories, you want to just be, be friends and engage in real life stuff with games, like you were hanging out with friends. That's what Abby and Ashley set up. And so grab them. They're going to have those Saturdays and Sundays for, um, for those weekends.
These are what those grace-filled spaces are. It's my belief that there are many of these for us, and we need them. All the time, we were in Advent was about waiting. And the majority of us are still waiting for stuff. Or for moments, waiting for healing, waiting for breakthrough, waiting for hope, waiting for renewal. Wait, we're still waiting. We're going to go through seasons of waiting, but we make it. We, we flourish. We, we, we actually live when we're connecting intimately with God and with others. And this is what God does to these breadcrumbs of grace, just guiding us and leading us and feeding us and replenishing us through this year, through these epiphanies. May we continue to gather them. So at this time, we're going to have you break up and to have these discussions together. Sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Norm. Uh, so this uh, past weekend, I was flying back from uh, a vacation. I got the opportunity to leave somewhere. Uh, it was great. I got to go to the Dominican Republic. Whoa! Uh, yeah, uh, it was a last-minute thing. Uh, this isn't about me. This is about exactly what we were talking about and just the little opportunities uh, to be able to listen to God and for God to be able to work through us. So on the return trip, uh, I'm sitting on the plane and a woman comes on the plane. I was sitting towards the back and she comes in hysterical and she's holding her daughter, a five-year-old little girl. And she said, this is a medical emergency. I'm trying to get home to get my daughter to a hospital. Please, won't somebody let me sit with my daughter? and nobody's speaking up and she's standing there going, please, we've got four different seats on this plane. Won't somebody just let me sit with my daughter, please? And I, I, I finally said, what can I do to help you? And she says, I, I need to be able to sit with my daughter. Our seats are apart. And I said, so you need two seats? And she said, yes, I think so. So the two people next to me, moved and one sat in the woman's seat and one sat in what would have been the little girl seat and so this woman and her daughter sat next to me and uh she she told me about how she'd had this huge medical scare with her daughter that her daughter was uh uh kind of passing out and was uh not thinking clearly and didn't recognize her mother and she took her to the ship's doctor and the ship's doctor uh, said, you definitely need to take her to the hospital. So they got off the ship on the north side of the Dominican Republic and went to a Dominican hospital and uh, did some blood work. And they said her hemoglobin was at an eight. If anyone in the medical industry knows what that is, apparently that's, you're almost dying or something if it's that low. Uh, and so they took a five hour cab ride all the way from the north side by Haiti to Punta Cana to the airport, and we're trying to get home to the United States to get to a hospital. So uh, uh, along the way, uh, her, the mom was very, very panicked, and uh, the daughter it was splotchy all over. 
uh, and uh, seemed very agitated. And every time the mom would, you know, reach for her, the daughter would pull away and was crying in some kind of pain. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, there really wasn't enough room to elevate her feet or anything like that. And I said, well, you know, we should push some fluids. Let's, let's get her to drink some water. Uh, and she kept giving her this sippy thing that the daughter would sip from regularly. And I, after a while, I didn't think the daughter was necessarily getting enough water. I said, why don't you unscrew the cap and make sure she's actually drinking it? So she unscrewed the cap and the daughter drank some water. And, um, uh, I was able to engage the daughter a little bit more with her little stuffed animal and with tic-tac-toe on the chair and uh, getting her to color and uh, kind of get her mind off things and finally watch a movie. Um, the daughter then began to kind of doze her head off, you know, kind of like she was falling asleep and the mother was really, really panicking. She's like, oh my God, oh my God, she's gonna die, oh, she's gonna die. Do you think she looks grave? And I'm like, no, I really don't think she looks grave. Uh, I'm a former lifeguard. I said, you know, she, she's, she's breathing, she's not bleeding, she's not in shock, she doesn't have a temperature. I think she's falling asleep and you need to let her get some rest. So after some coaxing, uh, the mom let the daughter kind of fall asleep and she kept trying to check her pulse. Apparently the mom was a nurse, but I think she was in mom mode and not nurse mode. And she says, I can't feel her pulse. I can't feel her pulse. And I said, you can't really check a pulse on the wrist of a child. You need to check it here. And you know, um, you couldn't really get to that the way the little girl was sleeping and we didn't want to wake the little girl up. Uh, and so she let the little girl sleep. And then I was able to get the, the mom to relax a little bit and uh, told her that if she didn't get some sleep, she wouldn't be able to take care of her family when they woke up. And I said, I'd be really upset if I stayed awake for this whole four hour trip and you didn't get some rest. So um, I got an update this morning uh, from this woman because she got off the plane and they went to uh, uh, C.S. Mott Hospital in Ann Arbor. And uh, let's see here. Her response was, um, <laughs> Hi, Norman. I wanted to give you an update on Brooklyn. She's going to be okay. Just like she, you said, uh, she tested positive for uh, adenovirus and a urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. They ran all her lab, labs and said she was dehydrated. They said the stomach pain was from swollen lymph nodes from the virus. She also was backed up and constipated. Thank you for all the help, reassurance, and support with her on the scariest day of my life. Mm -hmm. The Lord placed me in that seat for a reason. Mm -hmm. uh, She's doing so much better today, drinking like crazy. Um, I made the comment that uh, uh, I pray that it's just indigestion. Uh, and so, you know, her, she sent me a message. I, I agree, never in a million years did I expect this amazing news to be so good. Um, they were released from the hospital at 5.30 this morning. So I just kind of felt moved by the topic and thought it kind of applied and kind of went full circle with that. So 
I hope that didn't take too long to share that with you. <laughs> it's okay, Norm. That is, thanks for sharing it. No, it's awesome. And, and that is, right? We, there are these breadcrumbs of grace, and we would say that was for the mom. But she's the one who is saying, God put me in, in that seat. And, and that was you stepping up, but you know one of our mottos, our heroes are among us, everyday people living like Jesus, right? So you were being Jesus in there where you're caring about this mom and this little girl, and not caring about your seat, not caring about sleeping, not caring about having your own time on this flight back to the Dominican Republic, but making room. And so it's beautiful. Well done. And then in a beautiful example of saying, oh yeah, that's what that looks back in reflection, the mom saying, oh, that was, I saw God's hand in that, making space for me. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And so, so a little bit of discussion. Facilitators, would you stand up so we can see who people should come around? And so we've got Abby right here. So if you want to come around, Abby, we got Taylor. Right here, we have Liv up here in the front. We have Jill back in the plaid. We have Julia in the gray and Sandra over here in the white. So we'll make room. Like five, somebody else who's back there. About Trent. Trent is back there in the back thing. So I don't know, five, seven, eight people around that. Just pocket around in the pew. Come around them. It's like 1120 is when we, 1120, 1125, when they'll dismiss you out. They'll say goodbye from that spot. If you're near someone, just look at them and say, all right, I'm with you. And so come around, make pockets around the people. When you go, grab your chalk and a little sheet of paper on your way out. That's by the back doors as you go into the parking lot.